Financial Residency is proud to bring you Grand Rounds with Dr. Tammy. Each week, Tammy Krause explores a new topic related to achieving financial independence by building and protecting your wealth. She invites guests who are experts in their fields who will share honest and valuable advice on a variety of topics. If you have an idea for a podcast, please email Tammy, that's T-A-M-M-Y, at financialresidency.com. Now grab your front row seat to this week's Grand Rounds. Hi, and welcome back to Grand Rounds. As physicians, we generally have pretty good incomes, but it comes with a lot of cost. Beyond just the 12-plus year commitment to get where we are, It also has an ongoing cost, working holidays, giving up family events, and for many, even a feeling of being overworked and undervalued at work. It was really game-changing for me when I was able to go part-time at work because I was suffering a lot of burnout. It allowed me to be present for both my family and my patients, and it really helped me find my love of medicine again. And that's really why we try to educate physicians here at Financial Residency is to help you achieve financial independence so you can make those choices for yourself and you can become the captain of your own ship again. So in that vein, I have invited Clint Harris here today. He's a partner with Nomad Capital, and his focus is helping others generate passive income so that they can live the life that they want to live. Welcome to the show, Clint. Thank you so much, Tammy. Very honored to be here. I appreciate your time. Oh, I'm excited. We were kind of talking before the show, and you have a lot of great philosophies that I think our listeners are going to be fascinated to hear about today. Can you start? Absolutely. Can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So my name's Clint Harris, 41 years old, wife, two young boys. I live in Wilmington, North Carolina. I had a 16-year career in medical sales. I was implanting pacemakers and defibrillators first in South Carolina and then took a promotion to Wilmington, North Carolina over a 16-year period. Uh, Working in the EP lab, because of that, most of my peers are cardiologists, electrophysiologists, interventionalists, surgeons, ER doctors, kind of ran with that crowd and just got to know the lifestyle a little bit, on call, working nights and weekends and everything that goes along with that. Medical sales is kind of a young man's game. You kind of get ground down, not unlike a lot of physicians, unfortunately, but it's kind of a young man's game in terms of running and gunning. And so in the effort of looking for a potential off-ramp at some point in time. My wife and I have always invested in real estate, sometimes with more success than others. We started out with single-family homes and then got into multifamily. And now we built a small portfolio of Airbnb properties. We got 14 properties at the beach where we live. That turned into a property management company with another 80 listings. But eventually, continuing to explore options to try to find a way to reach what we all call financial freedom, but Honestly, I, I'll get into a little bit more, a little bit deeper. I have a different perspective on things now. Looking for an off-ramp for that on-call lifestyle, especially with two small kids that a couple years ago, some partners and I bought a old Kmart building and we converted it to a class A climate controlled self-storage facility. That project had enough success that it allowed me to leave medical sales behind and just go full-time into real estate investing, specifically working as a general partner with Nomad Capital, where a syndication that With a focus on self-storage, we buy and convert old big box retail buildings like Kmart's grocery stores and warehouses to class A climate controlled self-storage facilities. And because of my background, our largest investor population segment are white coat professionals and physicians. You had mentioned your philosophy of independence of purpose. Can you kind of explain what that is? I think everybody starts out with an idea of you're looking for some form of income, you know, most 
of the time, we're calling it passive income. It kind of becomes a buzzword because everybody's looking for financial freedom. The reality is, I think, especially for me, once I achieved it, or at least the first level of it, financial freedom by itself is a little shallow. That shouldn't be the goal. I, I think what we're really after that maybe doesn't get verbalized is financial independence combined with time and location independence. Those three things together create an independence of purpose, right? If, you, if you're financially independent, but you have to spend so much of your time either in front of a screen or in one location or managing the managers of whatever business that you have, that's not the independence that we're really all looking for. I think we're looking for that time, location, and financial independence that it gives you the independence of purpose of choosing where you want to go and what you want to do and how you want to do it. And it's not that you don't want to still spend your time helping people or working, but it gives you the choice of what you want to work on and how you want to help people. And, you know, you can be involved in whatever you want. It could be skiing or hiking or mission work or church or family or fishing or whatever it may be. But when you have the freedom of purpose to make that choice for yourself, that's honestly, that's the reason behind our syndication group called Nomad Capital, because a nomad is somebody that goes where they want, when they want, do what they want. So I think that it's important to remember the goal shouldn't just be financial in nature. It should be about, it should be purpose-driven. That sounds good. We were kind of talking about like the passive income and physicians in general. And you kind of mentioned, and I like this thought that physicians can go out and buy a house to flip, but generally they have such a great income on an hourly rate. Is that really the best thing to do? How do you counsel physicians or high net worth investors when they come to you and they're looking, you know, to start a new project or get involved in something that you do? Sure. So first of all, I do tend to lean pretty real estate heavy because that's what has made a significant, meaningful change in my wife and I's life and for our family. But no matter what you do, if you're a really high earning income individual, white coat professional or IT or small business owner, but you're a high earner, you have to keep in mind what your time is worth. And there's a lot of different avenues, but specifically speaking about real estate, there are quite a few pitfalls there, especially for physicians. And I have the conversation quite regularly, actually a couple of times this week with some of our investors who are like, you know what? I think I might want to go flip a house. I think I might want to do this or that various different real estate projects. And one of the pitfalls is, okay, if you go flip a house, you can do that. But remember, you're getting paid once, right? You're doing the work and you're flipping the house. And if you stop, you're done. So the day that you stop working in that strategy is the day that you stop getting paid. So that's the ultimate trading time for money. And what's the one thing that most physicians don't have? They, ha they have money, like they have capital. What they don't have is time. So if you're going to take your time and you're going to pursue an investment strategy in real estate, first of all, I would say don't pursue one of the strategies that gets you paid once. I would pursue something that gives you residual or passive income in the future. And on top of that, if you're going to go flip a house anytime you're doing the work. Let's say you as a professional or a specialist or whatever, if you're worth $200 an hour, then anytime you do a job where you could hire someone else to do it for $50 an hour, you're, I mean, effectively you think you're saving yourself money, but honestly, you're probably doing yourself a disservice. And if you just picked up an extra shift or you just kept the main thing, the main thing and paid someone else to do it. Now, that cuts into the margins and makes a good investment a bad investment, I would argue that it probably wasn't that good of an investment in the first place. So the number one thing is like, know thyself, like know your worth and what are you capable of? Yes. Could you do all these things? Could you swing the hammer? Absolutely. 
Is your time better spent probably writing checks and let somebody else do that? And you keep the main thing, the main thing, you know, arguably it depends on what, if you want to do it to get the experience so that you can make better decisions and recognize good work in the future, I can understand that, but you need to do the cost benefit analysis of what's it really worth for you to do that versus just doing the diligence to hire somebody else that can do that, whose time is worth less than yours, not to be rude, but the reality is your time is worth what it's worth as a physician. So I think that's important. And then also, if that's something you're going to pursue, keep in mind that you're probably looking for an alternative strategy because you're looking for a way to eventually stop trading time for money. So I would encourage you not to pursue another strategy where at the end of the day, you're still trading time for money, flipping houses or managing your own properties or wholesaling, anything like that. At the end of the day, you stop working is the day you stop getting paid. And I think that's probably the opposite of what people are actually getting into real estate investing for. And is that kind of where syndications come in? You become part of a large group. Someone else is managing it and, you know, you make the one-time investment and that's kind of where your money keeps coming back throughout, you know, the lifetime of that project. That's absolutely right. It's, it's a situation where the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Or if you choose your partner correctly, then that's how it should be. In order to have success in any type of real estate investing, you have to have three things. It's time, it's experience, and it's money, right? So most of your physician audience they have money, right? They have capital to some degree, obviously a lot of medical school debt involved, but at some point in their career, they're going to have money. What they don't have is time. And if you don't have time, you can't get experience. Syndication is the idea where every time you drive by a hotel or an apartment complex or an RV park or a self-storage facility, traditionally, it's not a single owner. It's a syndicate or a group of people that have pooled their money together to take on an investment project bigger than what any individual could do on their own. And there's all kinds, there's hundreds of different types of syndications. You can do ATM machines. There's syndications that do grass-fed beef, RV parks, mobile home parks, self-storage, apartment complexes. It, it runs the gambit. The idea is you pick a strategy that aligns with what your financial goals are and you're partnering your capital with their time and their experience so that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And with that in mind, I, I think that a lot of people can get shiny penny syndrome where you're like, oh, this looks neat and that looks neat and that looks cool. I think the really important thing for physicians is to remember, like we talked about why you're getting into it. And because syndications can have a short timeline or a long timeline or anything in between. So Keep in mind, if you pick a syndication offering that's going to pay out and you're going to try to double your money every five years, that's great. You, you can do that. There's offerings like that available. Obviously, it goes up and down depending on the market and interest rates. But at the end of the day, if you have a long-term vision of what you're trying to do with your life and freedom of purpose in the way that you spend your time, you probably need to be looking at longer or evergreen offerings that are going to continue to pay out in the future. Because at the end of the day, just like flipping a house, the day you stop working is the day you stop getting paid. The day that your capital is not working for you is the day that you stop getting paid. So I think identifying portfolios and funds that you can move into is a great idea. At the end of the day, you and I spoke about this beforehand, is the idea is that your money should be getting up and going to work for you even when you don't feel like it. And at the end of the day, when you invest into a passive investment strategy like syndication, you're essentially buying days off. The goal is that 
your buying days off. And if you buy enough of them, you don't ever have to go back to work. And your money should be earning money and that money should be buying more days off. It should continue to get up and go to work until one day you don't feel like going to work. And by then your capital should have bought enough days off for you that you don't have to. It's one of those things that usually takes several years to start paying out in a meaningful way, three, five, seven years before you start having significant returns. And that's why a lot of times, if you're really pursuing a passive investment strategy, the time to think about it is not when you're really getting burned out or when you're really getting ground down and like charting is killing you or the new administration is just wearing you out. You don't start building Noah's Ark the day it starts raining. The idea is to kind of think ahead and project what you want the rest of your career, the rest of your life to look like, the rest of your time and location independence to look like, what ages are your kids going to be at what stages in your life and think ahead. And, and it really is just a word problem. You can work backwards to, to really focus ahead and find out what kind of independence of purpose you want to create for yourself. And that's your timeline. You mentioned all the different types of syndications and there's, you know, hundreds of different types of things that you can invest in. Any tips or words of advice on trying to find the company that best fits you, trying to avoid the scam artists and that kind of thing? That's a great question. So the number one thing, a, a pitfall that people fall into is that they look at the deal. You look at the deal very heavily and you look at the location or the apartment complex or the mobile home park or the self-storage facility. Really what you want to be doing is exactly what you just said, is you want to be looking at the operator, right? So it, the difference is like betting on a deal is like betting on a racehorse versus, you know, betting on an operator is betting on the jockey. And that jockey might ride five or six different horses in five or six different races, but that's who you're betting on the, op the operator. And obviously you want ethics and transparency and, and a moral compass, as well as alignment with what their financial and time goals are for their syndication. You have to like the way that they communicate and do background checks and everything else. Because of the world these days, there's access to so many different operators that people never had in the past. Like, these are, these are what are called alternative investment strategies. Anytime you're investing in anything outside of paper assets, you're investing into real estate and syndication, it's an alternative investment strategy that typically is going to give you better returns in the stock market, but you have to do your own due diligence. Those opportunities have been around for hundreds and hundreds of years, but now everybody's got a smartphone in their pocket. Everybody's got access to podcasts and education our opportunity to access some of those is significantly increased from the way it was before. So I, there's no silver bullet. I'm not going to tell you, you should go here and do this. And this is how you pick. Come over here, come see what we're doing. Your job is to educate yourself. And, and I think the first way to do that is to identify what your goals are and, and then find out what are your, what's non-negotiable for you, you know, in terms of timeline, or the amount of capital that you can invest or the types of investment strategies that you want to be in or the types that you want to avoid for personal reasons or whatever they may be. The best thing to do is identify what your goals are. And then if you start pursuing the alternative investment strategy and looking at syndications or joining newsletters or listening to passive income podcasts, you're not going to have to go far before you start finding communities like that. I will throw out one name that I'm not affiliated with. There's a group called Left Field Investors based out of Columbus, Ohio. Now they've got a couple thousand members and it's specifically limited partner investors, which are people that are investing into syndication. And that's all it is, is a giant group of people looking at different operators and kicking around different deals. And I, I think there's true value in community, whereas 
you and a small group of people might be five or six sets of eyes looking at a deal or an operator. The value of a couple thousand sets of eyes looking at different operators and different opportunities, I think is really, really valuable. That's a group out there I really think is doing it the right way. And what was the name of that group again? It's called Left Field Investors. Okay. leftfieldinvestors.com. And there's also Best Ever, the Best Ever Real Estate Podcast or Best Ever Real Estate Conference by Joe Fairless. Same thing. Those two groups have kind of become lightning rods for operators trying to do things the right way. There's dozens and dozens of different strategies and operators. I'm not affiliated with either of them, but both of those seem to be really good places if you're looking for, for just clear and transparent communication. And again, being able to look at the operators and look for ethics, transparency, and integrity. I know a lot of our listeners have Airbnbs and short and long-term rentals, and they enjoy the management, and that's fantastic. You mentioned that you had started in Airbnbs and then kind of got more into the passive income and you know bigger projects. Can you talk about how that transition really affected you and your family, like going from hands-on to maybe a little bit of a step back in a syndication type thing? Sure. So Airbnbs are wildly active. It's a very, very active investment strategy. Specifically, I was focused on, we live in an area right outside of Wilmington, North Carolina called Carolina Beach. And in Carolina Beach, it's kind of an up and coming beach town, but still had some rougher edges when we first moved there. So we were picking up small multifamily properties, duplexes, triplexes, quadplexes with rough tenants in place that hadn't had rent increases in years and years and years. So we would move out the month to month tenants totally renovate the property, stage them, converting them to Airbnb properties, manage them ourselves. We had 14 Airbnb listings, and eventually that turned into a property management company with some operating partners, which grew to about 80, 85 listings. Frankly, it's a wildly active investment strategy. It can be very lucrative, but it certainly doesn't come with time or location independence. It was a great step in the direction of replacing my income as a medical sales professional. One of the pitfalls of medical sales is similar to physicians is that it's got a pretty high ceiling. So it can be tough to walk away from and it can be tough to kind of replace that income, especially when you got used to that lifestyle. So I aggressively pursued multifamily and Airbnb because it was the fastest pathway to replace that income. That having been said, wow, time consuming, um, still nights and weekends, most of your stuff is happening on the weekends. It was tough. So because of that, we hit our goal of financial independence. What we did not get is time and location independence. And it was at that point, I was like, wow, we did this wrong. Now, luckily, we had built a company that since then, the best, the smartest thing I did was hire myself out of the company. So I'm, at this point, I'm basically a silent partner. We have meetings once a month or so just to make some hiring and firing decisions. But I have operating partners that are significantly better operators than I am. They handle that. We've gone silent partner, but because of how heavily active that investment strategy was, I said, okay, let's go the other direction. What are the most passive investment strategies that I can find? In fact, let me go find the older, most successful real estate investors that I really look up to, and let me ask them what they're doing. So I found a group of old guys, the guys that all are sitting around with money that look like they're not doing anything. I was like, what are they doing? And ultimately it came down to three things. It was hard money lending, mobile home parks, and self-storage. And I didn't have enough money to go lend anybody, not in any meaningful way. I had no interest in mobile home parks. And that's what led to self-storage. And some partners and I, we bought a Kmart building, 
Uh, we bought a building for 1.5 million. We put 2.5 into it, so we're into it for 4 million. And once it was converted from an empty retail building to a climate-controlled self-storage facility, it was worth around $9 million. And we had 600 units with tenants that are not living there. They're using QR codes and touchscreen kiosks to get in and out of the property. One Kmart with six or 700 units is significantly easier to manage than one quadplex. And just from the net operating income standpoint, it increases in value millions of dollars, which you can access by way of refinance. If you want to pull a few million dollars out, that's non-taxable income because it's not a capital gain. For us, it was obviously the financial implications of that's what pushed us hard to go into the self-storage route to continue to do syndication. But more than anything, it was because, yes, we had success with Airbnbs. Before that, we had success with single family homes. The reality is any type of real estate investing is really the same. Maybe you add a couple zeros here and there, but the concepts are the same in terms of forced appreciation or the way I was converting those multifamily properties from bad long-term rentals to Airbnb properties. It's the same conversion when you convert an old Kmart or grocery store to a self-storage facility. When you change it from one asset class to another, you change the formula by which that asset is valued and it creates room for massive forced appreciation. So the asset class conversion resonated with me immediately because that's what we had been doing. And for me, ultimately, it was about getting to a strategy that's significantly more passive that affected my life in a very meaningful financial way. And then it was about economies of scale and raising money from a group of investors, most of whom are cardiologists and physicians that I work with through my career. And last year we bought two Kmart's, three warehouses and a grocery store that we converted and just continue to scale. And again, it's significantly easier than much smaller projects with tenants that are in and out trying to use it for a short-term rental vacation. Can we talk a little bit more about your company? Are you still out recruiting investors? Are you, do you have more projects on the horizon? Let's get to know your company a little bit better. I appreciate you asking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of, of course. Absolutely. We do. We, uh, we're 506B syndication, which means uh, friends and family. We can talk about our strategy. We love to let people know what we're doing. That's our main focus is buying old big box retail buildings, Kmart's grocery stores, warehouses. We specifically focus on secondary and tertiary markets across the Southeast that are having explosive growth. And, and that's it. It's, it's not rocket science. I, honestly, you're just renting someone a box of air. That's what it is. But the way that we do it, instead of going out and building from the ground up and it costing $130, $140 a square foot, plus the cost of the land, by buying nasty old buildings, we've all driven through these towns that have old grocery stores and warehouses and Kmarts that have been sitting empty for years and years. We can typically buy them for significantly less than the replacement cost. My partners are the general contractors. We build them out in-house. So all in, when we're cutting the ribbon and opening the doors, we're usually sitting around $63.50 a square foot. That opens up a lot of opportunities in terms of paying out our investors by way of refinance, which means it's non-taxable. And at that point in time, one of the reasons why our strategy appeals to physicians is that we leave our investors in. And we hold the properties long-term. And so as long as we own the property, even after you've gotten a great return through the refinance, you can continue to earn residual income from that. Even if you, you take your capital that you got a great return on, and hopefully you go invest it again with us or with someone, put it to work somewhere. But that first investment continues to pay out for you. So that's our strategy. We do have a, a fund that we're working on right now. 
We're Nomad Capital. Website's nomadcapital.us. If you want to hear more about what we're doing, our investors are all, they're interviewing us, right? People want to know what we're doing and what our strategy is. The reality is we interview our investors too, because we're talking about potentially being in business together for a long time. So we want people to, first of all, we want people to know what their goals are. And if your goals don't line up with what we're doing, I'll try to be the first one to tell you so that you don't have to waste your time figuring it out. But ultimately, um, that's what we're doing. We want to do it for a long time. We want to be clear, transparent about everything we're doing. And if it's a good fit, that, that's great. And if it's not, that's okay too. So as a syndication, we've been doing syndication for a little over two years, coming up on two and a half years. We're, our two-year goal was $100 million in stabilized assets under management. We beat that goal by a couple of weeks. We've got a five-year goal of $500 million in stabilized assets under management and a 10-year goal of a billion. And wow. the only way we get there is having partners that know what's going on, that we're clear, transparent about everything. We keep our fees low. We make sure that we have good communication. We always pay our investors first. We never use variable rate debt. Yeah, that's the only way we're going to hit our goals is we have to build a tribe of people that have the same vision that we do in terms of time, location, and financial independence, but a small group that's dedicated to a common goal. We're trying to do some big things with people that honestly really deserve it. And then you're also a podcast host. Will you tell me about that? My partner, Neil Henderson, and I started a podcast called Truly Passive Income. Can't wait to have you on there. Very excited about that, by the way. And honestly, what we do more than anything is we named it Truly Passive Income not because that's all we talk about. Most of what we talk about is debunking what is not passive income. Like it, passive income has become such a buzzword True. that every, uh, like, oh, an Air, Airbnb, start an Airbnb. It's so passive. Ooh, I can so promise active. you from experience, it is, is wildly active. Or, hey, start an Amazon dropshipping company for passive income. It, it doesn't work like that. The, the only way you're really going to find passive income is if you have a family member and you're partnering in their business as a silent cash partner or a savings account or stock market or an alternative investment strategy like syndication where you do some upfront work in terms of understanding who the operator is and their morals and ethics and make sure it's a good fit for you. And then you put your capital in and maybe you read the monthly newsletter and find out what's going on. Maybe you don't. That's up to you. But even in that frame, I would say that passive income overall is probably not the nomenclature that I would use. I think the right terminology is residual because however you want to slice it, even if it looks passive, like I own a property management company that looks like passive income and we get checks from that and I don't do a whole lot. But I spent two years building that up from scratch and it was a lot of work. So even though it looks passive, what it really is residual. And I think that's what most of your listeners are going to find if they haven't already is that even if it's just interviewing the operators and building a relationship and doing the self-education to make sure that their goals and your goals align, you still have to do some work. After that, it might look passive. It's really better to be residual. So that's one of the funny things I've run into as the host of the Truly Passive Income podcast is that there is really no passive income. It requires some work up front. But that's what we want to do is we, we talk through that and we like to quantify that so that people know what they're getting into. But at the end of the day, especially for higher earning income individuals like white coat professionals, any project you want to get into, it has to have those three things. It's time, it's experience and money. And it just comes down to a question of who's going to put in those three different parts. For your listeners, I think obviously the choices for most of them, 
if they can put their capital in and partner with someone else's time and someone else's experience, that's where you tend to get the best result. That sounds good. You've been so informative today. Is there anything I should have asked you about that I didn't? I don't think so. I'm in a good place right now. I'm. I, I, it's funny, like I spent so much time on call and grinding. I'm so grateful for the amount of education that's out there for people like you that are putting podcasts together like this, that everybody's got time and opportunity when they're in the car, you know, having the windshield time driving to and, and from work. Uh, unfortunately, that's what your listeners are doing at all hours of the day and night. I know. So not really. I, I just think that people should know that opportunity is is a lot more accessible than it ever was before. And a lot of people are a lot closer than they think to be able to affect their lives in a very meaningful way in terms of the amount of time that they get to spend with their family. So that's just something that I kind of believe on my own. I know that was a whole lot of nothing that I just told you, but for people that are like, they're listening to your podcast for a reason, right? And most of the podcasts out there that are about strategies like this, they're listening for a reason. And the reality is that opportunity is easier than it ever has been. I think that our, my parents' generation could save their way to retirement. I'm 41 years old outside of the white coat professionals of my generation and some of the high income earners. For the vast majority, most people can't save their way to retirement. Retirement was always supposed to be a combination of the 401k, pensions, and social security. Well, for the most part, pensions are gone. 401ks are probably not, they're not the vehicle that's supposed to get you there on its own. Social security is going to be a fraction of what it once was, or the age is going to get pushed back. Pensions are gone and that just leaves 401ks. And a one-legged stool is really not supposed to stand on its own. So I think as soon as people realize the likelihood of being able to play defense and save your way to retirement has been taken away, then it makes it a significantly easier choice to say, I've got to do something. And that doesn't mean that you should invest in real estate. And it doesn't mean you should invest with me, do whatever's best for you. I think the lesson that you need to do something is really important. And the lesson that you can't put money away into savings faster than inflation and the cost of goods is eating up the value of that money on the back end. True. That's a really hard lesson to learn towards the twilight of your career. True. So getting involved earlier, you know, as early as you can in your career, not only does it set you up for retirement, but it really unlocks those golden handcuffs where you feel like you're tied to your job until you die <laughs> because you don't have any other options. Absolutely. And I think that we have more opportunity now than anyone ever has in the history of the planet. Like 20 years ago, you didn't have the opportunity of educating yourself through podcasts. Like when I started learning about real estate investing, I was renting DVDs from the library. That was the only place you could get them. And there was not very many of them. And so I think access to education, like the way I think about it now, if you don't, if you're not happy with where you're headed, if you know what your ceiling is, like in my career in medical sales, I could calculate my ceiling and it was a pretty high ceiling. But the reality is it was not what I wanted in terms of the ability to raise my children the way I wanted and spend time with my spouse the way that I wanted. So if you can calculate your ceiling and that ceiling is not high enough, then really the only risk you have is not doing something different. So I think that it takes, once you think about, for me, when I changed my mentality on that, it was a little bit liberating in terms of the amount of risk that I was willing to take on, understanding that there's a big difference in risk and calculated risk. 
And the number one thing is you have to be able to determine what is risk and what is calculated risk and how it is aligned with your personal goals. But once you, if you can calculate your ceiling and your ceiling is not high enough for what you want out of life, then your only risk is really not doing anything. And if you don't know what to do, that just implies ambiguity. And the answer for ambiguities, that's just a lack of knowledge and knowledge is free and education is free. So I think that's a good starting point. But yeah, I, I think working backwards is to, I can see where I'm going to end up. Is that enough for my life? If it is, that's great. And if it's not, well, that's great too, because now you know and you have opportunity. Well, once again, where do people go if they want to learn more about you and your company? The best way is uh, nomadcapital.us. I'm Clint Harris. You can connect with me on Facebook or LinkedIn or on our podcast, the Truly Passive Income Podcast. Clint, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate just the conversation, your knowledge, and sharing that with our audience. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Absolutely. And thank you all for listening. And I hope you'll tune in again next week for Grand Rounds.